You know, when Jesus was on the earth in, uh, in bodily form, walking around just like we walk around, breathing the same oxygen we breathe, the, uh, he, he gathered a group of guys with him that, that we now know as the apostles or the disciples. And that was not an uncommon thing for a Jewish rabbi to do at that time because that's really what Jesus was operating as at that time was a rabbi. Now, he was a rabbi unlike anyone that anybody had ever seen before. You know how people, we do church here a little bit differently, and it's not that different anymore. But 20 years ago that when churches started doing this, people thought, you know, everybody was going straight to hell because they had drums in church, that kind of thing. That's kind of what Jesus was when he started doing things different. The, the, the established church, they didn't like him, and they, they didn't like what he was doing and that kind of stuff. And so, so, so just a few hours, really, before he would be arrested and then eventually crucified, Jesus did what was not uncommon for a Jewish rabbi to do. He gathered his followers around him, and he said, we're going to celebrate the Passover together. Now, the Passover was the most important of all the Jewish holidays. It was the most important of all the Jewish festivals. And, and maybe you remember the story from the Old Testament, but if you go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the book of, of Exodus, you read in there where, where the children of Israel were were slaves in Egypt. And so they were, they were living the life of a slave. They were being forced to do too much labor and, and they, were, they had no freedom. They couldn't go and come as they wanted to. And so it was a terrible situation. And, and God saw the plight of the, of the Israelite children and, and he sent Moses to come and to intervene on their behalf. And so Moses came and, and, uh, and he goes to, to Pharaoh and, and who was the leader of Egypt at that time. And he tells Pharaoh, you, you got to let these folks go. God is going to do some bad stuff to you if you don't. And Pharaoh ignored him. And the scripture actually says that, that Pharaoh's heart was hard over that. And so his heart was hard to the, to the things that God was trying to do in the world. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And so God began to send plagues. And, and, he, and we know that he sent ten plagues. And, and, the, and most of the plagues were, were things that were really bad, but, but they weren't, uh, nobody was being killed, but they were extremely annoying, like uh, frogs everywhere and, and going outside and gnats being so thick that you couldn't breathe because you were breathing in gnats. And, and a whole river turning to blood and all the water and in town turning to blood so you know, you know open up your spigot they didn't have spigots back then but if they did and blood starts coming out it sounds like something from a horror movie but but this really happened it was all in the book of exodus and so after after those plagues pharaoh still refused to allow the children of israel to leave egypt and so god said go tells moses said go to pharaoh and tell him there's one last thing i'm going to do he said, I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt myself and I'm going to kill the firstborn of every household. Doesn't matter if you're the, the Pharaoh or if you're the lowest person in the country. The firstborn is going to die. And then he tells Moses, he said, now tell the children of Israel, in order for you to escape my judgment, Every Israelite family is to go to their flocks and they're to find their best male lamb, one without blemish, the best one you've got. And you're to slaughter this lamb and then you're to take the blood from the lamb and you are to wipe it over the doorpost of your house. And God said, and as I pass through Egypt, 
and I'm killing the firstborn in every household, when I come to a house where the blood of the Lamb is on the doorpost of that house, I will pass over that house, and the firstborn in that home will be saved. And so Jesus had gathered His his, his disciples together to celebrate this because what, what God tells Moses in the book of Exodus, He tells them that He's going to do that. And not only does He tell them He's going to do that, but He says, and then once I've done that, once you have escaped from Egypt, then you are to celebrate this every year. You are to remember what I did. You will remember the links that I went to to get you out of Egypt and the judgment that I passed on the Egyptians and the grace that I showed to the Israelites because of the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. You were to celebrate that. So Jesus was being a good Jewish rabbi and His disciples were being good Jewish men by celebrating the Passover together just a few hours before Jesus Himself would be crucified. And we know from the from the scripture it says that they went to, to a home and they went to an upper room in the home and, and there they had prepared before them the Passover meal. But when Jesus began to serve the Passover meal to, to, the, to the disciples, it wasn't like what they were used to. See, they, they had been doing this their whole lives. In fact, at this point, they could pretty much phone it in. Chances are that's the way some of you feel this morning. I grew up in church. I can remember bread and juice in little tiny cups. For, go back the furthest memory of I have of church. I can remember doing what we're doing here today. And maybe some of you are like that. And it would be very easy for you today to be like the disciples were that day and think, oh, here we go, Lord's Supper again. It's going to be a little shorter service than usual. We're going to get a little something to eat and we're not going to get enough to drink. It's going to be just enough to make me mad because I don't have enough to really quench my thirst. And then we're going to go home and go to Taco Bell or whatever. And, and it would be easy for us just to look at this as just another Lord's Supper service. And I'm sure the disciples in some way they probably showed up that day and they might have had other things on their mind and it was just the Passover. We do this every year. We're going to do it again next year. But when Jesus began to teach, they realized that He was changing everything. That He was not celebrating the Passover in any way that it had ever been celebrated before. In fact, when He talked about the people being rescued, He didn't talk about them being rescued from slavery from men. He talked about being rescued from a different type of slavery. Matthew 26, 26 says this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Now for years they had eaten bread at the Passover, but the bread at the Passover before Jesus came along had been used to symbolize the manna, which was the bread that God provided to the Israelites while they were wandering around in the wilderness. Remember that story that God, they would wake up every morning and walk out of their tent and there's food laying on the ground that God just gave to them and that was called manna. So they had always eaten bread at the Passover, but they ate the bread to symbolize the manna, the provision God had given them during that time. And now Jesus, he takes the bread, he doesn't even talk about manna. He doesn't even talk about wandering in the wilderness. He says, take and eat. This is my body. Because he knew that in just a few hours, his body was going to be stretched out on a cross. And he was going to be physically broken as a human being. 
And so he said, I'm going to break this bread to symbolize the fact that I'm willing to lay down my body. I'm willing to give my body for you. And then Matthew 26, 27, and 28. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, since the earliest days of the Passover, they have drank wine at the Passover, and the wine has been used to symbolize God's deliverance, God delivering the people from Egypt. In fact, today, if you were to go to a, to a Jewish Seder, which is what they call now the Passover celebration, if you were to go to a Jewish Seder, there are four cups of wine that are, that are used during the Seder, and they are used to represent the four deliverance statements in the book of Exodus. So if you go back to the book of Exodus and you read the story of, of the people escaping Egypt, there are four different times that God says, I'm going to deliver you. One time he says, I'm going to deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians. One time he says, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to make you a new nation. And so there's four statements like that. And so today, still today, the Jews will take four different cups of wine to celebrate the deliverance of God from the, the Egyptians. And Jesus now, he takes the, the cup and he doesn't talk again about being delivered from slavery. He doesn't say anything about Egypt or Pharaoh or any of that kind of stuff. But he says, this is still representing deliverance. But it's not deliverance from slavery to men. It's deliverance from slavery to sin. He says there, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, the fact is that that anybody who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus said that in John 8, 34. So anybody who sins needs to be set free from that. But now who sins? Well, we know in Romans three twenty three, the Apostle Paul wrote, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So who needs to be set free from sin? Well, just any human being that's ever lived. You, me, anybody you've ever known. We all need to be set free from sin. And that's what Jesus was about to do. And so when he gathered his, his disciples to take the Passover, something that they were very familiar with, he told them, listen, I know you've done this before. I know you think that this celebrates something that happened a long time ago. In some ways it does, but I'm telling you, it's celebrating something that's about to happen. Because in just a couple of hours, I'm going to be hanging on a cross for you. And then just a couple of days after that, I'm going to come back from the grave and all of that is going to allow you to have the opportunity to no longer be slaves to sin. And so today, when we come here all these thousands of years later, we should celebrate today. We should take this bread in just a few moments and take this cup in just a few moments. We should take that as former slaves who are now set free. We should take that as prisoners who finally gotten parole. We should take that as people who our only hope that we have to survive this life and to have eternal life one day is through what Jesus did on the cross. See, it's more than tradition. It's more than ceremony. Even though for us, it seems to be very familiar. It's so much more than that. One of the things that I, I love about the story of the cross and the story of the Passover is, is how, how God was just so involved in what's going on here. A couple of years ago, my, uh, my oldest daughter, Emily, was driving and, and she had a flat tire. And so, uh, so she did probably what most uh, teenage daughters nowadays do. She called her dad. 
So she called me. And, uh, and called me and said that she had a flat tire. Now, I had a choice to make as a father there. What I could have done, because of the age of technology we live in today, I could have pulled up a YouTube video on how to change a tire, and I should have said, okay, I'm sending you a text. It's got a link in it to a YouTube video of how to change a tire. Let me know how it goes, because I'm kind of busy today. That's what I could have done, right? Or I could have, I could have called somebody uh, you know, called some kind of roadside service and say, just stay where you are, sweetie, and I've called this dude, he's going to show up, and you, you, he's going to change your tire, and then you're going to be on your way, and everything will be all right. But I didn't do either one of those, and you probably know what I did. What I did is I went to her, and I handled the tire for her because I'm her dad, and she's my child. And so I wanted to be hands-on and taking care of that problem for her. One of the things I love about the story of the Passover is that all the plagues up to the point of the final one, God was responsible for all of them, but, but he kind of sent those. I mean, but he was responsible for them. But when it says that it comes to the last one, he says, I am going to pass through the land. It wasn't an angel of death. It, it wasn't an angel with a sword outside the Garden of Eden. He said, I, me, myself, I'm going to pass through the land and I'm going to take out the firstborn of everybody. But if I see the blood of the lamb on that doorpost, I'm passing over that. The blood of the lamb is the symbol of my grace. The blood of the lamb is the symbol of my mercy. And I will not pass judgment on anyone who has already sacrificed lamb because the lamb has taken the punishment that I'm going to give. And then you, you fast forward all the way to the New Testament, to Jesus. And, and again, there was a problem with sin and, and it needed to be taken care of. And, and God could have said, you know, I'm going to let someone else handle that or you're going to be on your own. But no, what did he say? He said, I'm going to come to earth in the form of a human. And I'm going to be hands-on. And I'm going to take care of your sin by being involved in your life, by being involved in what goes on in the earth that I created. See, as we celebrate today, we celebrate the fact that we serve a hands-on God who is involved in our lives. We celebrate the fact that, that God is no longer far away, but that He is right here with us. Not because we deserve for Him to be right here with us, not because we've figured out some way to make it to Him, but because He came to us. When we were broke down on the side of the road and needing help, he came to us. And so we're going to celebrate in just a moment. And as you take this bread, think about the body of Christ broken for you. As you take the cup, think about the blood that was poured out for your sin and my sin. And be joyful in your heart that we can be saved from all the stuff we've done. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And as you continue to listen to the music and, and as you continue to sit there, just prepare your heart now to take the bread and take the cup. And then I'm going to pray for us. And after we do that, we'll begin the Lord's Supper. So prepare your hearts in silence now. Father God, we stand before you this morning as former slaves 
as former prisoners who have been set free who've been set free by your sacrifice and we want to celebrate that now in a way that is worthy in a way that brings you glory and honor we ask this in Jesus name So after he took the bread, Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then Jesus took the cup. He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, thank you again for giving up your life on this earth so that we could have eternal life in heaven. Thank you that the sins that just mess us up and make us miserable, that we don't have to keep doing those, that we don't have to be slave to those anymore, that you have provided a way out celebrate your goodness and your greatness today. You are a mighty God. You are an awesome God. You are a loving, caring, merciful God. You are also a God of judgment. But you have spared us that judgment by putting that on your Son. It's in His name that we ask all these things. And it's in His name that we celebrate today. Amen. Have a stand up with me. We're going to sing a closing song. Before we do, let me read one verse of Scripture to you. This closing song that we're going to sing is, is called Jesus Messiah. And Messiah is an old-timey word that the, that the children of Israel, that the Jews would talk about. They were looking forward to the Messiah coming and saving them. But again, they thought they were going to be saved from the Roman government. They thought they were going to be saved from political oppression. But, but the Messiah was coming to save us from something much more important and much deeper than political oppression. He was coming to save us from sin. And so we're going to celebrate together as we sing this song. So I don't care if you got the worst voice in the world. I want you to sing this out loud and make a, make a joyful noise right where you are. Because as 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, those of us who just took this, to us who are being saved, the word of the cross is the power of God. You have the power of God in your life. So let's go out and live like that this week.